Um, God bless you. Good to have you out today and trust that you're receiving something of benefit, amen, to your heart, to your soul today. And uh, it, like uh, Brother Hagan used to say after the, some of the singing, he'd say, uh, if we went home now, we could say that we had been in the house of the Lord and been visited and touched. Amen. If you would, open your Bibles to the book of Romans 8. We're going to look at Romans 8. That's a good book, isn't it? Romans 8, good chapter. Good book and chapter, but we're going to just look at part of this. Romans 8, 37. I'm going to preach today on being an overcomer. Amen? Now, one thing that I need to tell you, here's the shocking news. You might want to brace yourself is that it could just suggest, the word overcomer could suggest the idea that uh, there might be something to overcome. That's the, that's the, that's the ugly part. There, (laughs) I think a lot of people in the early days of the faith movement and the word movement, I think they thought, uh, that maybe, um, it was, uh, uh, now that we found the word and we found the truth and we're, we're, you know, walking in the word that maybe nothing else bad could happen to you. You wouldn't have any problems. You wouldn't have any challenges. Well, how many found out that's not the case? Uh, like we know the crisis of life comes to everyone. And, uh, I, sometimes if you meet somebody and they're a little bit, uh, prideful or arrogant or conceited or cocky, you'll find out that it's because what I call the two by four of reality has not hit them in the head yet. <laughs> haven't been through anything, but if you've been through something, uh, it just changes you. And, uh, I think that's one reason, you know, we, a lot of people don't like the book of James, but James says that the, the trial of your faith is more precious than gold itself. Uh, I, I know there was a preacher who did a lot of teaching on finances and prosperity and so forth, and he said, "If I had a uh, if I had a check here for say a million dollars, and uh, I had a trial to go through, which one would you choose <laughs> as the most valuable to your faith? A million dollars or the trial?" And, very few of us would really automatically want to pick that. Oh, no, I want to go through something really, really awful. Uh, I'll pick that <laughs> over the money. But uh, that's what James said, isn't it? He said the trial of your faith is more precious or costly or valuable than gold itself. And we think, oh, how can that be? But how many know that when you go through something, thank God that, uh, I've heard this, if you're Going through something, just keep on going. <laughs> keep going on through it to the other side and get till you get through there. Uh, it's kind of like being in a on a train in a tunnel or something. You know, you think, oh, the lights are flashing and it's dark in here, but uh, you get to the other side of the mountain and the sunshine comes back out. So, uh, hey, everybody here could probably get up behind the microphone and testify, I've been through some stuff, and uh, so. Uh, again, it's like one lady would say, uh, Brother David, can you pray for me that I won't have any more problems in this life? And I said, yeah, I can pray. There's, it's a one prayer, a special prayer for that. Uh, killer Lord. 
because <laughs> the only way not to have problems is to not be here. <laughs> so you know, we all go through things and we all experience disappointments and, and attacks and that kind of thing. But the Bible tells us that we can overcome it. Amen. So we don't get the problem and just cry and you know, uh, blow our nose over that. We, we stand up and we remember who we are in Christ and that we are overcomers and that God is for us. And the Bible tells us if God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us if God is for us? Well, if you don't think God's for you, it's either because you're ignorant or dishonest because the Bible does tell us that he has freely given us all things and has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Amen. So we have God behind us and um, we can't lose. So let's read this first verse, um, verse um, 37 here, Romans 8. I get to the right page here. Hallelujah. Um, it says, uh, in fact, let's, let's, um, let's start at verse 35, in fact. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecutions, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Shall any of that separate us from the love of God? Uh, and I'm going to add this to it. Also, so that you can know something here uh, as well, that even committing a sin, even doing something wrong, does not separate you from God's love. He is still there. He wants you. He wants you to repent. He does want us to repent, repair, and turn around and get on the right path. You know, repent really just simply means turning around and getting in the right direction. Uh, we've we've added all kinds of thoughts to what repentance means. Or somebody has to go around in sackcloth and ashes for about three weeks uh, before we give them credit that they repented. They have to look like they're very ashamed of themselves. But uh, like our dog this morning who did something unspeakable. And so we yelled at her and now she sat down like, I'm so horrible, you know. But um, we, 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 we want to see that. As humans, we want to see people go around for a while, just a little while. Not, it depends on how bad it was, how long they should go around looking like the dog that did something in the living room. But uh, uh, that's, really not, that's really not what repentance is about. Repentance, uh, sure, there's a, there's a sorrow that comes, a godly sorrow that comes with repentance, but repentance is really about turning around and saying, you know what, that was the wrong direction, that was the wrong thing, I judge that in myself, I confess it, I'm going to now move forward, continue to go on with God. Amen? And so, um, I, I, so I'm adding, I'm not really adding to the Scripture, but adding to the idea that there is nothing that can separate us from God's love, even if we're the ones trying to bring the separation. The Holy Spirit will dog us, <laughs> so to speak, and be on our trail and bring us around. Amen. I don't know if you've ever done this. I'll just be honest. I've had so so many uh, 
persecutions and trials and things that I've endured, and we're not going to talk about those today, but um, a lot of you that know, know me well know about these things, uh, you know, loss of loved ones and different things that have happened. But uh, so I've had moments where I thought, I don't even know if I want to talk to God today. Uh, and you say, oh, that's horrible. I know it is. Throw a tomato at me. But uh, um, like Jesus said, let he without sin cast the first stone. I don't think any of us can throw rocks at each other because we've all had our moments, haven't we? Loss of faith, loss of morals, loss of dignity, all, all kinds of things. That if, if, the, if all the truth ever came out, we would be ashamed to show ourselves face in public. But praise God, that's what salvation is all about. <laughs> and redemption. Amen. And Jesus paid the price for us and he took all that for us so that we don't have to. Anyway, getting evangelistic on you, be careful. Uh, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. And it says, nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors. This is our banner scripture today. In all, I love nay. <laughs> No, we're not, we're not living in the persecutions. We're not living in the tribulations or the famine or the nakedness or peril of the sword, but we are living in being more. It says, nay, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. You know, don't stop at verse 36 and go around. I'm a sheep ready for the slaughter. No, it says, nay, we're not, we're not, that's not where we stop. We keep reading. And in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Well, we're not more than conquerors in our own strength or even our own faith or our own whatever, but we are in Christ more than conquerors. Well, it would be good enough if he just said we were conquerors, wouldn't it? That would be like the winners. We're the winners, but we're more than conquerors. You know, the Bible always talks about, even back in the time of David and the comp that his company of men at Ziklag, aren't you glad they didn't name a town after that somewhere? Ziklag, Florida. That wouldn't be very nice, probably. I could be somewhere. Could be in Alabama or South Georgia somewhere. Um, but, uh, Ziklag, you know, was, was their town. It was burnt to the ground and they, Took all the women and the children and everything. Everybody's in sackcloth and ashes and, and, uh, and, and just it, how can it ever turn around? And yet, uh, the Bible talks about that when David went and pursued and got it all back, it says he took also something extra for the spoil. That's called, that's called, uh, you know, punitive damages. <laughs> you know, if you, if you have a lawsuit, you can sue for, what you felt like was taken, and then you can sue for damages beyond that. And that's the way God thought about David being having the spoil. In other words, something for your trouble. Something for your trouble. Praise God. So that's what being more than a conqueror is. You don't just conquer and get back what we just sang. I went to the enemy's camp 
and took back what he stole from me. I took something else on top of it from the devil. Amen. If he's ever stolen your joy, take something for the spoil, for extra joy. If he's ever taken your money, believe for something above it to for, for your trouble. If he's taken your health, believe for extra strength and extra days on this earth. Amen. To make up for what he did. He has to pay. The enemy has to pay. Amen. Praise God. Well, it'd be good enough, like I said, if he said we're just conquerors, but we're more than conquerors. you got to also remember who wrote this, the Apostle Paul, who was an attorney uh, of the law. So that, no wonder he said more than. <laughs> Always get more. All right. Verse 38, for I am persuaded, I am persuaded, not I'm, I got an idea that this could be, I'm persuaded. Isn't it good to be persuaded? I tell you, I'm persuaded about the finished work of Christ in my life. I'm persuaded about that uh, it's God's will that we prosper and be in health, even as our soul prospers. Praise God. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present or things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God. Well, let's look at John, a few more verses, John 16. Is this helping you this morning? Whatever you're going through, and this is true for you folks watching on the Internet, whatever you're going through in your life that seems to be a tribulation, you need to declare yourself more than a conqueror right from the beginning. Well, y'all pre- keep praying. I'm hoping and a praying and a hoping and a praying and a hoping and a praying. You know, it just becomes a cliche. Good to have hope. Good to pray. But... Uh, we got it. We can do better than I'm a hoping and a praying. We can declare that everything that the Bible says uh, that we are, we are. Everything the Bible says we have, we have. Praise God. Well, Brother David, it don't look like you got it. Well, close your eyes if you can't stand it. But I'm telling you, I'm not moved. Again, quoting quoting my father in the faith and mentor, Brother Hagen, you know, he said, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm not moved by the circumstances. I'm moved only by the word of God. What does the word say about my health? What does the word say about my finances? What does the word say about our situation? All right. Well, and there's your victory there. Okay, look at John 16 and verse 25. Amen. Is that where I want to be? Amen. Well, let's see. I'm pray the. I got the wrong, I got the wrong verse here. Sorry, skip that. 
Go to 2 Corinthians 4. Amen. Second, uh, Second Corinthians, and uh, verse four. Through seven. Amen. Okay. Through eleven. Now, on this one, uh, let's put this up in the Message Bible. He says, if you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness <laughs> or the glory. We carry this precious message around in the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. In other words, we're not the, we're not don't look at us looking for the glory. You might find a speck somewhere. Something's off. One lady said to me one time in, in the, the Tulsa, praise the Lord, God's holy city, <laughs> the airport. <laughs> she said, I don't know, there's just something about you that's not quite right. And I said, you got three hours. I said, that would be a miracle if you only found one thing about me not quite right. I got a whole list of stuff. Ask my wife. She could tell you even more. She might need another two hours to listen to her to tell you what's wrong with this dude. And she didn't like my answer because, you know, I'm supposed to be perfect or something. Oh, well, she's got the wrong preacher. All right. Look at, let's keep reading verse 8. As it is, there's not much chance of that. You know for yourselves that we're not much to look at. We've been surrounded and battered by troubles. Now, this is where it starts to get really good about being more than a conqueror. We have been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do. But we know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but we haven't broken. Let's keep reading. What they did to Jesus, they do to us. Trial and torture, mockery and murder. What Jesus did among them, he does in us. He lives. And then verse 11, our lives are at constant risk for Jesus' sake, which makes Jesus' life all the more evident in us. Amen. And so uh, look at look at that same passage uh, uh, starting in... Verse 8, we'll just skip down to that. Look at verse 8 and go through, um, and let's put it in the classic amplified. Do you like the different translations? It helps us to understand it. Some, there's, there's these King James Bible people. Now they, they say, well, if it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. Do you realize how ridiculous that statement is? Jesus didn't have a King James Bible. It wasn't, it wasn't written until 16 something. <laughs> we, or Paul, for that matter. <laughs> we are hedged in, pressed on every side, troubled and oppressed in every way. 
but not cramped or crushed, praise God. We suffer embarrassments and are perplexed and unable to find a way out, but not driven to despair. Go to verse 9. We are pursued, persecuted, and hard-driven, but not deserted to stand alone. We are struck down to the ground, but never struck out and destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the liability and exposure to the same putting to death that the Lord Jesus suffered, so that the resurrection life of Jesus may also be shown forth by and in our bodies. Amen. So again, you can see how much that we have overcome. Jesus overcame death, hell, and the grave. He overcame the world. He overcame all that, uh, you know, could be overcome. Everything. He's, he overcame sickness. He bore our sicknesses and carried our pains, according to Isaiah 53, in his own body on the tree. Bore that, carried that, so we don't have to carry it. Whatever he overcame is already overcome. Well, so you, let's say, what do you do? You know, just a little teaching here. What do you do if, if you, if you have a diagnosis? What do you do if you have, uh, something that, you're now dealing with. Say, so, well, I, the, why am I dealing with this? I'm supposed to have already overcome. Jesus overcame. Why aren't I overcoming it? That's when you have to choose which, which you're going to believe. You're going to believe what, what you feel and see, or you're going to believe the word. Well, brother David, now see, see, we come to these weird conclusions by trying to outsmart or outthink the word. So it's like somebody that maybe fails to get a healing and dies prematurely or whatever like that. We've dealt with that. We've dealt with that in this church. Every church has dealt with that. And somebody all of a sudden crowns themselves as the theologian of the day, and they come up with theology that's not in the Word. They, Well, it must have not been God's will. Where do you come up with stuff like that? That's not, you won't find one verse of scripture that says that. It's not in the New Testament. I'm telling you, it ain't there. You can't just decide something and declare it and then all of a sudden you'll get all, something happens, you'll get all these theologians around you. They're like, they're like PhDs in Hebrew and Greek, apparently, because they know the answer. They have the answer. I would rather them just say, we don't know the answer. Leave it alone. Let it be between the person and the Lord. How about that for a refreshing change? Instead of everybody walking around with answers. Well, you didn't have the answers three weeks ago when we were still believing and praying or whatever. Where was your answer then, smarty pants? Praise God. Pastors in the flesh, he called somebody a name. Oh, you have no idea. Hallelujah. Jesus called people names. If Jesus called people names, we can call them names too. He did. He called the Pharisees snakes and vipers. That ain't so nice. He might have to fill out a hate speech slip or something. (laughs) Jesus called people all kind of names, didn't he? He called Peter Satan. He said, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) 
that's pretty bad when Jesus calls you Satan. You might want to, you know, think about yourself for a minute. <laughs> so, you know, Jesus called me. I have never, that's a revelation to me today that Jesus called, Jesus was a name caller. <laughs> so that means we can call people names. Songs are not awful. Unless it fits, and then it could be awful, I suppose. <laughs> ah! Help me, Jesus. Um, but anyway, you know, all of a sudden everybody's a theologian. They have the answers. Or, you know, if you have a financial problem, they want to ask you all kinds of questions about your privacy and what you did wrong. You know, all of a sudden they're like, uh, they're, they're like a forensic CPA that practices before the Internal Revenue Service and they know exactly how to fix, how to tell you what you did wrong. They have no clue how to fix it, but boy, they can sure point out where you missed it. Well, thank you, Inspector Clouseau, for, you know, helping me understand what an idiot I am. Thank you. That's really helpful. But, uh, you know, I, it, it, this can happen in church. I'm telling you people, how many know what I, have you ever experienced that? Somebody tells you everything that happened, why it happened, how it happened, blah, 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 blah. And you want to go, wow, when did you graduate from Harvard School of Theology? I mean, you know, you, you have all these answers. And um, the truth is, we always have a choice. To go with the word or whatever. So somebody says, well, if I'm healed, see, see, you gotta be careful with, if thou be the son of God, turn these stones into bread. The devil uses that all the time and he uses it in word of faith churches where somebody's believing God for their healing. Maybe they've got a cancer diagnosis or something really serious and they're believing God and and then they're, they're conflicted. Well, if I believe in God, should I go to the doctor? If I believe in God, should I have a surgery? If I believe in God, should I take this medicine that helps me? Or I, if, if I'm healed, see, if you're not careful, you go down right and bite into the devil's temptation. If thou be a Christian, if thou be an overcomer, if thou be, you know, uh, represented in, in overcoming everything, then you'll do this and you'll do that and you'll end up trying to prove something to I don't know who and get yourself in trouble. People say, should I take the medicine or not? I don't know. I'm not a t- I, I didn't graduate also from the, the, the medical spot. I, I'm not, I, I, I'm not that kind of doctor. You understand? So, uh, I, I don't, I don't know. Don't ask me. Don't ask me medical advice. Please don't come ask me, you know, about your foot fungus or something. I don't know. I'm not the guy. Talk to a pharmacist. Call the hotline. I don't know. But I will tell you that you have to follow your heart. You just have to follow your heart. And God's not offended at you taking medicine. I don't know what I'm on this for. Maybe it'll help somebody. God doesn't hurt God's feelings. You know, if you need insulin or whatever for yourself, take take it for God's sakes. I've seen people die. I have seen people die throwing away their medicine in the name of faith and gives faith a bad name. And it's like, it's not, faith isn't the problem. 
Here, are you getting anything out of this at all? Faith is not the problem. Brain damage is the problem. <laughs> and I'm telling you, uh, don't blame that on God. Don't blame that, 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 don't blame that on the faith message. Well, I know somebody and they went to one of those faith churches and before you know it, they threw away their insulin and they went into a diabetic coma shock and died. Yeah, so it proves the whole thing's wrong down the tubes. No, it doesn't. It doesn't prove anything other than somebody just got on the wrong way of thinking. You know, that's just, it's wrong thinking really. So what are we going to do? We're going to follow the word, number one, and we're going to follow the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you what, you can't go wrong with that. And I know a woman one time, she had a high blood pressure, you know, like a serious, and a, it's always serious, but it can be worse than other cases. She had high blood pressure really, uh, in extreme way. And the doctor had her on a high blood pressure medicine. Well, she was taking this medicine and believing God at the same time that she was healed of high blood pressure, healed of these circulatory problems. And so one day she, she got really, Feeling really terrible and weird and, and you know, something else is wrong. She went to the doctor and said, I am, I don't know what's going on with me. I am, you know, just not doing well. He says, well, tell me your medications that I have you on. And she said, well, you know, I've got that high blood pressure. He said, you don't have high blood pressure anymore. Your problem is that you're taking medicine for something you don't need. It's, 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 it's freaking out your system. Well, praise God. Amen. Uh, obviously her taking the medicine didn't offend Jesus. Well, I bear, I carried your pain and now you're taking a Tylenol. Not, I'm not happy. I'm telling you, the church has got God mad, Jesus sad, and the Holy Spirit's offended all the time. Well, God was going to move, but they sang the wrong song, and they did something not right, and now the Holy Spirit's left. Elvis has left the auditorium. <laughs> no more fun tonight. But I'm telling you, that is not that is not right. God is satisfied. The Bible said that God, that the sacrifice of Jesus was enough to satisfy his anger. Amen. We don't have an angry, mad father. Good, good father, but a little bit cranky. A little testy. He doesn't like it. Uh, he gets mad really quick and, you know, flicks you off of the blessing of heaven desk. And then the Holy Spirit's just, up. Oh, somebody was worshiping with the wrong spirit. I'm not going to be here anymore. I'm leaving. Going out to eat early and going to bed. <laughs> no, but you know, we've been in meetings where that was a, I tell you, sometimes the song leaders who gets offended. It isn't the Holy Spirit's grieved. I've seen song leaders get grieved. I'm up here worshiping. I've actually ha I heard this in a meeting. I'm up here worshiping God with all my heart. I'm turning blue, holding notes. Blood's coming out my throat from my passion for this song. And you all are just sitting there 
not even worshiping here, expect a miracle. You know, I mean, I've, I've had that chew out. I, I'm thinking, well, now I really want to worship. It's like my daddy was one of those people. Now, my dad was a World War II vet. He was in four major battles. You didn't want to make him too mad at once because he'd just as soon um, deal with you in the Army way <laughs> as not. Uh, I mean, he had he knew how to deal with Nazis and everybody, you know. So my dad, my dad man, he would... He would say this to me, and, and it, I, I don't know why people would say this because it doesn't work. He would say, now you put a smile on that face or I'm going to give you something to cry about. I mean, thinking, I already have something to cry about. That's why I'm crying now. I mean, you wipe that off your face or I'm going to give you, I'll give you something to cry about. I'm thinking, you don't have to. I've already got it on my own. Now, you put a smile on your face and you go out there and you talk to your Aunt Myrtle or whatever. It's like, oh, God, Aunt Annie Bell. I had Annie Bell, Fannie Mae, you name it. These were my people, praise the Lord. They fried everything. Southerners, I'm telling you, they fry everything. We used to have a saying, whatever we don't matter and fry, we paint gold and hang on the wall. <laughs> like a magnolia branch, spray paint, Hobby Lobby. All right. <laughs> yeah. Now you you put a smile on your face. Now I think we we think that's what God's like, you know. You know, if you don't do this, I'm not going to move. No miracles tonight, especially for you. You know, we've got. The Holy Spirit mixed up with the soup Nazi. That's from Seinfeld. Anyway, praise God, the Holy Spirit's not like that. The Holy Spirit, I think, is a little more resilient than we sang one verse that was slightly off. Amen? And sometimes, you know, when we've been chewed out in meetings for not, we didn't do something right sitting there, I'm thinking, wow, well, Jesus was able to, to work miracles right in the marketplace with camels and everything walking by and dirt and dust and, and, uh, seemed to not be affected whatsoever. Now, you know, somebody's eyebrow goes up a little too high and that's it. That's, we're, we're done. No, that's just an excuse for no anointing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, glory to God. Well, anyway, thank God Jesus has overcome the world and overcome death, hell, and the grave. And we are overcomers, and we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Amen? Uh, I hope that encouraged you. I'm going to pray now uh, for those who have a physical need, uh, especially for those watching on the Internet. If you're here in the auditorium and you have in our chapel here, uh, sanctuary, if you have a a need, put your hand where you're suffering. Jesus will touch you there. And uh, we believe for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to flow into you and to effect a healing and a cure in Jesus' name. The Father, I just reach my hand to those watching by Internet today and in the auditorium. And I thank you, Lord, for healing 
in Jesus' name. I command blind eyes to open, deaf ears to unstop, lame legs to walk, those that have uh, physical problems of any kind, cancers and tumors to dry up and disappear, any kind of growths or spots or places that have uh, been suspicious in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that your healing power works and drives that out. The Zoe life of God is stronger than uh, abnormal cells or whatever in Jesus' name. Kidney disorders, uh, liver disorders, heart, lungs, circulatory system, eyes, ears, praise skin, praise God. From the top to the soles of the feet. In Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that those that have material and financial needs, I thank you for touching and, and, and showing yourself strong this week, bringing about miracles and things that people will have to say, I know that was God. I know God supplied the need. I know God did something special. Father, I thank you that there is a blessing on the tithe. There is a blessing on giving. There is a blessing on our hearts towards you and the work of God. And we thank you, Lord, receive those blessings in Jesus' name. Those that are suffering from mental illness or some kind of an oppression or depression or, or phobias or fears, in Jesus' name, be free in the name of Jesus. Be set free today in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's lift our hands and praise Him and thank Him today for His love, His mercy, his goodness and his grace in the name of Jesus. Amen.